on this episode of Homo Superior. This message is for Brent. You're a piece of shit. I'm <laughs> sick. I'm going to steal all your packages at your home and cough on your doorknobs. Well, well, uh, well, Brent is gay and Kaylin's gay and Clark is gay and Ryan's gay and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Welcome to Homo Superior, where we've got pride for the next X-Men cartoon we're going to be reviewing, issue 315. I'm Kalen. I'm Clark. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. This week, maybe we have a game. Maybe it's a discussion. Either way, it's an eldr- it's eldritch theme. Eldritch theme. Fuck. God damn it. Fuck me. All I heard was no, elderly uh, theme. I'm going to get this mind. joke out. Elderly themes. Maybe we have a game. Maybe we have a discussion. Either way, it's eldritch, eldritch themed. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's Cthulhu like because it'll be Malfoy. You pronounce Cthulhu but not eldritch? It'll be. It'll That's be, amazing. Because it's going to be malformed and horrific. <laughs> Holy shit. I love that. Oh my God. It's a longer way to go than a mountain of madness. All right. Wow. <laughs> We've got fashion choices to talk about because X Men 97 is giving us the exact same <laughs> costumes we've seen for three decades. It's mm. a big week for comics with the kickoff of the resurrection of Magneto. Rumor has it, it's going to end in a trial. <laughs> Plus, plugs, plugs, plugs. But first, some housekeeping. Uh, check out uh, an extra issue that's out now. It's of our review of the first season, or I guess only season, yeah, of too. the Marvel Spotlight, Disney Plus's Echo. Uh, it's a great Watch this fucking show. It's very good. Apparently, it, it's been picking up in viewers, and it's been lifting like Hawkeye season one Ooh. and the Daredevil seasons uh, that are now on Disney Plus that were originally on Netflix. Making them semi-canon or switching them over in the Disney Plus app has paid them dividends. And also, it's helped remake what, as we talked about last week, what uh, Daredevil Season 4 will be, uh, a.k.a. Daredevil Born Again. Uh, Plus, we've got our review of What If Season 2 out, which is uh, fun at parts, messy at parts. Uh, but uh, do I have the podcast or the rec- oh. <laughs> yes, yes to both, Adam. <laughs> um, and um, you know we're we've got to record secret records. Secret it's Fargo Ooh. season five. Oh yeah, don't you know? Guess oh who's a scroll? <laughs> <laughs> it's Aaron Amos who joined us from Talking Comics. Yeah, podcast. we had Aaron Amos on. That's super fun. Yeah, uh, really fun podcast. If you like Fargo, uh, you should listen to it. If you Know someone who doesn't like Fargo, you should send them the podcast. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into some games, discussions. Eldritch. Nice. She's learning. All right, as we all know, we are currently lamenting the end of the X era started by Hawks and Pox, which came at us four years ago. Cure that Sarah McLaughlin music we love to I feel like oh, what we need to do is that, oh, sound from Wonder Woman in the background oh. of every ah. single moment. The oh, we need Ryan to do that. that. The ululations that they do the entire time. Yeah. Uh, that said, that's what we are feeling and what we're thinking. Podcasters, mega fans, gay people who love decadence and faggotry. What we've never really been able to represent here was that every person's viewpoint, someone who actually used hawks and pox as the advertised perfect jumping on point that Marvel loves to talk about. Am I not an everyman? What the fuck? You had I? already started reading it. Yeah, but I thought, I thought I was supposed to be the everyman. Resurrection uh, was your day, jumping on point, boo-boo. By day, he's mild-mannered Brent Wingate. By night, he's everyman. Soundboy. <laughs> <laughs> Soundboys become everyman. He becomes more irrelevant. <laughs> uh, earlier this month, my boyfriend, Andrew, finally listened to me about how good it was and decided to sit down 
account and read the entire opus thanks to Marvel Unlimited and wayofx.wordpress.com's recommended reading order that I forced upon him to make sense of all the issues. I love that he listened to you but not this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I specifically told him where we're going with this game because he's like, I can't wait to listen. I was like, Andrew, you cannot. Andrew <laughs> really takes WordPress seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's always been an X fan, but mostly by way of video games, cartoons, and movies with X-Men Legends and X-Men Evolution being his two favorites, so you know he objectively has generally good taste. That said, he's never read any of the comics. I'm talking Brent prior to this podcast level of X-Men comic knowledge. Some would argue post. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought a fun little segment on the road to Krakoa's end would be Krakoa, I Hardly Noah, where we check in on Andrew's progress and get real-time feedback on his new reader experience, as well as reflect on our own perceptions and reader journeys ahead of the true fall. Today, we'll be covering off on Hawks Pox and about half of the Dawn of X arc. First off, let's talk about Hawks and Pox. So... What do you think a first-time reader's takeaways with limited X knowledge would think of Hox and Pox? And I mean, again, I know, Brent, you fit in this, but you were also hosting a podcast. So take yourself uh, in the knowledgeable realm mm, at this point. I would think that if you did not know who Moira McTaggart is in any real way, you would think, oh, this seems like a, this seems like a fun, interesting, oh, they're, they're creating a nation. That's kind of fun. Without having any grounding or any awareness that, like, this is a big revolutionary moment in the X-Men history, it would seem like, uh, oh, cool, they're doing a new storyline. Now, would this be a new reader or a new person involved with X-Men, period? Like new you, new you, reader. Of so just he like, saw the movie. I know Adam, yeah, you said Andrew saw the movies, movies but for video the games. Sake, yeah, then he knows who Moira is. She was in two of the movies. D but did anyone remember that's who Moira was? She's a very different character. I don't character. see why not. Did Cause, he? Because I didn't know that. Adam, did he? Did he know? He like generally what I got from him about the Moira. Like he, he knew Rose Byrne was Moira McTaggart. <laughs> no, yeah, like he didn't know what Moira was truly capable of because he didn't even really watch the animated series because he was too young for it. Uh, that's why Evolution is his favorite. And you like to date young. <laughs> <laughs> well, the mo yeah, the movie Moira McTaggart is so different from what is even like the backstory of the comic version or what, what we saw in the animated series. It's like she's basically like an agent of the CIA. And yeah. she's introduced in first class. So very, very, very different character. What it was obvious And they scotch guarded her. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> it was obvious to him that it was a retcon. So, you know, it's still very good. It's a very compelling idea. And this is kind of mostly his words that I was trying to type down while I talked to him. Uh, no matter what peaceful route you choose, that's going to be the end result. So he loved the general concept of uh, a Moira X. What do you think he thought of Professor X in this era and the, these so comics? Mid up dick, dick bag. Was he like he can walk? <laughs> no, that thankfully wasn't a thing. That's I mean, I would. I mean, that's fair though. No, you're very right. Of like, hey, most, wait a I minute. Think most people are introduced to a wheelchair Xavier. Yeah. What was interesting is that he actually thought he really liked Professor X. He thought he was a very distant figure. You don't really know him. It's like very Dump mysterious. <laughs> um, you know, he's one of the most powerful mutants alive. Did he say? Uh, daddy or like <laughs> you know what? it is the fabulous walk when he's like comes yes. to me my x-men he like is like serving cunt i do think any normal new gay reader would go who is this bitch I, oh this is great i love unavailable love <laughs> <laughs> uh what about the quiet council to me if i had to guess andrew's perspective it's like oh this is a big mistake huge this is already going to be a problem. I can easily see how a committee is going to fuck shit up. I think Andrew is sort of oppositional to power and nation building to begin with. And he's already like, oh, baby, Molly, you're in danger, girl. 
Yes. So that very much was the case. He's been finding the Quiet Council to be certainly frustrating. And weirdly, it came up most from Sabretooth, where that he was stunned that Storm and Jean Grey, the ones that he knows from the stuff he's watched or you know played, to be like, how could they just stand by and let this happen? Um, so I thought that was just like fascinating because we were all like, yes, bitch, like finally they're doing it for themselves and they're doing whatever they want. Yeah. And like a normal person's like, hey, this is like bad. Was yeah. he upset at all that uh, Sabretooth was uh, tried and convicted for a crime that was only criminal after he committed it? Sure. What about <laughs> the fact that does he know he's a rapist and murderer? Like Cor- no. So that's exactly what it over? is. He thinks of it as like bad. All right. Sabretooth point, mean point person. counterpoint. <laughs> <laughs> also, it is still illegal to murder humans for regular, but... <laughs> but it's Krakoan justice, which is new, versus, yeah. you know, American justice or justice from another country that has been established for many, many years. Yeah, certainly with... I'm not going to make any specific points, but with the current climates that are happening, I think your reads of him were very correct that, like, I wait a minute. There's a lot of nation building that involves first killing a king and then making the rules afterwards. That's that sounds like kind of the same thing. Kill all the assholes and then make your rules that are n- but nicer. That's what yeah. I always say. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you've that done. That is what Brett, you always say. You're a vandal savage. You've Cl- literally lived for that's 150 That's Clark's constitution. Years. Literally, Clark is uh, cross-stitching a, a pattern right now. Kill the assholes and he's you writing, can make the laws Once after. you're the king, yeah. He's writing on parchment, too, with a quill. Um, unsurprisingly, kind of just wrapping up Hawks and Pox, unsurprisingly, the future stuff was far more kind of confusing or more disengaging for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would have no clue what the fuck they're talking about. Exactly. I had no idea. He, like, understood it. He felt like it was a villainous motivation he's seen a thousand times, kind of like the ego in the MCU movies. Um, But I did ask about forecasting. So there's going to be a couple Andrew forecasts as we go through this. You know, what I asked Andrew, what did he forecast for Dominion and Moira's future? What did he forecast for? mm, Ooh. Oh, gosh. Um... I did can just tell you too. Well, oh yeah, did, I was okay. Did he, go ahead. Did he? Because like, I think some like, of these are gonna be like, oh, bitch. <laughs> did he like the original Nathaniel Essex forecast four clones of himself <laughs> to go out into the world? <laughs> he did say that he believes there will be time travel shenanigans, but was unsure how time and comics worked. What was funny is when I tried to explain to him again, like we did when we first read Hawks and Pox, of how Myra's reset worked. I still couldn't explain it. So can you explain it to me? I it's, legitimately still don't understand. I always, uh, when we originally reviewed Hawks Pox and that, uh, the second issue of, of House of X came out, I likened it to Russian Doll season one. That like every time, you know, uh, uh, Natasha Leone's character died, the universe was reborn. And so that's Moira's power. It's like not alternate realities, although they've kind of like deviated from that with that's what, what I sinister. Tried to say. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's like the universe is being reborn every time she dies, and everything happened the exact same way it did the last time, except she can choose to do something different because she had previous knowledge of that. Correct. Time. Yeah. No, that's that's. I pretty just imagine it was a reset point, like in a video game. Oh, right. I mean, technically that's, that's where way, it goes. That's another way to do it. So that was actually it. I'm where... I'm surprised you couldn't come up with that explanation. Because I, I like that from the sinister side. I didn't love that for her because she literally what? resets. Like, her... There is no... Re- like, I guess you're saying her life is the... Like, yeah, but her being born. You're, you're a player. Yeah, I thought that was her reset every time. Didn't she have, like, images in the womb or something where she's she like, rem- I just had to sit in the womb for a while? She remembered everything so from like, her previous life. Right, yeah. so the world didn't really fully like reset. You, she you, just jumped back to that moment. When you play a video game... 
porn, yeah. When you play a video or game and your character bitch, dies. Bitch, I know how sinister works. No, no, I'm saying you. Yeah. You don't lose your memories. Correct. It's, it's the same. No, but what I was just describing is I think when we originally read it, I couldn't tell if like it literally like everything went dark and then Big Bang started again. Or simply like what you're describing, which makes a lot more sense. It's she's right just when hitting she the save point, which is her birth. Right, because right when that cum hits that egg, is what it is. But <laughs> she remembers. In, she, it, no, you're right though. Yeah. Good constitutional conservative. This but is actually, why we ask the hard hitting questions uh-huh. on Thomas yeah. Beer for answers like that, so, Clark. Yeah. Thank this you. This is actually important because it isn't at any like you can go back before she existed and fuck things up. What really matters though is before she manifests her powers at 13. They can stop. Uh, can we all agree that Moira is the zygote? As in the greatest of all time. <laughs> no, she's terrible. Mm, I'm kidding. What I do, but I do agree. Life begins at conception. It wasn't wow. interesting. Andrew did propose that he was forecasting that there might be others that have more, like have powers. I'm like, aren't I? I kept thinking in my head as we were going through this, the gay pirate from that Mar- the Simpsons episode of the kinda, because everything not. that Andrew forecasted will come true, but not in the things that he's talking about. Well. Thinking about our so speculation, he's basically. Thing, oh yeah, he always gets a kind of wrong. Kinda. Uh, I thinking about the speculation, our speculation when Pox and Pox was coming out, we were wildly off on so many things. So mm-hmm. he might be closer to what actually happened than what we even predicted. Yeah. I mean, no. I called all fifty states. Go. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right, let's move on to Don of X. So in X Men, oh. the original run, uh, he's at number five. Darwin, Sink, Wolverine just went into the vault. Uh, what do you think Andrew's favorite takeaway from this X-Men series was so far? From the X-Men series? Yeah. Um, Just think about those, uh, orig- some of those original issues. Uh, the art? Close. The fucking. The, the tr- it the sure was, baby. Fucking. Yes. Uh, Andrew loved the living arrangement chart and loved the polyamory yeah. being kicked up yeah. on the show. Uh, what did Andrew semi-guess correctly about Darwin, Sink, and Wolverine? They were uh, an unattainable throuple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they will be shells of their former selves after coming mm. out of the vault. Um, what was fun is Andrew was like, who the fuck, what the fuck is the vault? And then thought that was tied to Dominion. So I'm like, yeah, there are a lot of complex interweaving <laughs> concepts about technology, about humanity, about this. So Yeah. And then what's the first, uh, we already did the credit council. So, okay, moving on to Marauders. And he just got to where uh, Kate died. How do you how do you all remember Kate from Marauders, and what do you think a new reader would think of her? Uh, it depends on what his experience with Kitty Pride is, like in well, other like media, which is probably not very nah, much. I mean, she, she was in um, whatever that's the last one, evolution. That we're she would be in evolution, yeah. Which I think he formed an attachment to. Like he loved the fact that she was badass. He like referenced. I completely forgot when they first go to Russia to save some of those mutants. Yeah, and apparently she yeah. was like a huge fucking cunt then, and, and like yeah. did because he, she put a basically gun, killing she people. put a gun between two guys' legs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, would pre- presaging what happened in X Men so number twenty five. It was so great to hear him recount it because I just went, oh my god, what a cool evolution from the fall of X. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that was back when. Uh, what glory days? That was when people were using their powers like crazy. They're like, oh, <laughs> Iceman was totally freezing. Fucking I, can, I can manipulate ice. Why don't I use it in interesting ways? Mm-hmm. Did he ask why she couldn't get through the gates? Was he is he like curious about that? Weirdly, he was. He didn't. He kind of just like took that as it went. But he was very confused as to why they had not begun the resurrection process immediately. Yeah, and I think it's because he's just one issue away from them talking about it. But what's when his, they all go to Orcus and then they die and then they he's bring not him listening back to that. Episode, right? No, well, that's yeah. exactly why I tell you. He's like, oh, I can't wait to listen. I was like, you can't. You we're going to talk we're, about all the things that happen. Exactly. Uh, c- um, 
what is he thinking of Emma? Because like Emma so featured in Marauders. He loved Emma, but he was actually very frustrated that when it started, you see Kate and Emma totally, you know, ripping Sebastian to shreds. And then he he like us, I think we talked about this on the podcast too. We thought the death was a setup because it seemed too easy. And then he's just like, he'll be disappointed if it turns out that Emma's been slipping just because he really enjoys her as a character, particularly on the show. She has a lot of, uh, yeah, she has a lot of agency, but. Yeah, no, (laughs) she is not. Uh, What are two events that Andrew might correctly have forecasted, but for the wrong outcomes based on the series so far? So these are things that do happen in the series, but he's in Marauders. Marauders. No, no, no. Sorry. Across the entire. I think he would have predicted that the Avengers would somehow get involved but not realize that it was Axe. <laughs> so actually very, um, very close. He said the big ev- one of the big events would be that something happens to the five, they all get permanently killed, and the resurrection protocols are done. Mm. And, uh, and, and this was actually, this started, the question started because he mentioned that he's like, I know something bad happens at the Hellfire Gala. And I said, which one? He's like, what do you mean, which one? <laughs> and, and then <laughs> What I, do you mean, which one? Yeah, what and he's like, mean? wait, what? what because mean, he, I didn't even remember this, that Jumbo Carnation is one of the original people that gave Emma the gala idea back yep. in these original series. Yep. So then that's, I asked, what are the two big things that would have happened at the Hellfire Gala? And one was that, which is obviously an axe. Yeah. And then the other being full international recognition of Krakoa, and they find out during the gala. And I'm like, well, that sort of happens when Planet Araco is formed. So, yeah. again, Destiny. So he, has, he has not gotten to the first Hellfire Gala? No, 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 no. That happens after that's Ten of Swords. Correct. Yeah. That's what kicks and that And that's up. during Reign of X, too. It's not. Uh, You're screaming at me. Because <laughs> uh, we're going to need his fashion takes. Oh, yes. That's actually a great, great call. So let's move on to Excalibur, which he did not have much to say. So, you know, like us. Uh, he loved Apocalypse, loved what his motivations are. He didn't enjoy the what if of Betsy Braddock was Captain Britain, basically. <laughs> uh, he doesn't know the lore enough. He's like... And this is the part where Apocalypse like goes full... Magician. He, he like, gets into nature, and he's like, Richter, my lover, we're going to like start a winery together. I think it's a like, bit before he starts fucking Richter, which is why that I'm like, oh, we'll just wait. fucking Richter. <laughs> no, Clark. They're having emotional be, sex. That, I still think that's all stupid Clark, and random and unnecessary. Don't be so naive. All just a waste <laughs> of time. In the long run, we have, it, it hasn't gone to anything. Oh, I, Clark's like, did nothing they're good and admit friends. Nothing. No, they're, they're nothing. In my mind, <laughs> I, I canceled all that story. Why line. did Apocalypse teach a fisting spell? Yeah. <laughs> Because he's apocalypse, survival of the fit, fit, fittest, the fistest, <laughs> the fistest. Um, I having reread the Excalibur, uh, like all of this, uh, very, very recently. The Excalibur stuff, like it's still, it's tough going in those first six, yeah. seven issues. It is until after you get through the Warwolves storyline <sighs> uh, with uh, uh, Elsa Bloodstone's brother, mm-hmm. uh, whatever his name yeah. is, uh, Joey get, Bloodstone, Joe, Joey, Joey, <laughs> Joey, 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 some sort of thing like that, right? Yeah. See, it's just all the external stuff makes it interesting of like apocalypse starting to like build the external gate. So that's a perfect, like I said, what are you forecasting? It's like part of apocalypse's plan is obviously involving the realm. It doesn't have a ton of anti-magic, like, you know, magic protection as Krakoa. So they're building off of that. And I was like, Baby, just you wait. There's going to be a lot of dead infinity people. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. Let's talk New Mutants. So there's the Space Trial Starjammer story. There's Beacon Angel. That's right. Where Mondo has like There's one good storyline. The other one's there. So yeah, which... And then there's also the hunt for the Dream Mutant when Kosmar gets introduced as to wrap up that original one. So which storyline do you think a new reader enjoyed more? I think he enjoyed the Earthbound one a lot more than the Space One. Beacon Angel? Yeah, I think he did. You are spot on. 
What's but, wrong with him? Well, more so. What do you think? How do you? He's into peaks. So I, I, I actually, in retrospect, that's it's actually a pretty good storyline, and it fits in very much with the, uh, the uh, the ethos and the you know like the I guess the Bible of what Krakoa should be. These mutants trying to find other folks who haven't come to the island yet and and do that. The space stuff is a lot of fun because I think it's Jonathan Hickman writing some characters he really loves, the beautiful Rod Rice artwork, but it's very self-referential. And if you're a newer reader, you're like, what the fuck does this mean to me? Yeah, with Angel and Beak, he said it was very tense. There was real casualties. Funny enough, which I completely forgot about until he started talking about it, the twins that could control memories and emotions. Remember those M- two? Yeah. Something M and some <laughs> other M. Didn't they? They got like carted away and they're like, they like got... They're like, we're did gonna they take show care up of in Hoxon? Not, uh, did they show up in Axe for like a second? I thought they like randomly they appeared. They died on well, on the way back to their home planet. Oh. Yeah, right. Well, that's what was so funny. He was just like, is that, you know, because particularly with the powers, he's like, is this the first time it's happened? Is it happening a lot more? I think, again, a lot of the stuff we thought about, I thought we were, he was maybe, at Professor X was using them to control people's wanting to stay. Because the overall thesis that he kind of took away, which we'll also talk about with the X-Men final Fantastic Four stuff, is that he was so... Um, surprise he just didn't love just this mutant enclave that became sort of again going against power like nationalistic and rejecting of mutants that might want to live with their families that aren't rejecting them kind of idea it was it's a it, it's a really interesting moral quandary that ed brisson brought up in those issues and i liked that like the new mutants had that as their mission statement a little bit of like going out and helping mutants that don't know about Krakoa or how to get to Krakoa because there aren't gates everywhere. Right. You know, so what those those kids? What were the their mutant powers like that they spoke French, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is exactly what I was. Yeah. Just the amount of just la juvie yeah. we had used for Muzzy. When Muzzy we was it. so useful. Um, but <laughs> so funny, you all mentioned Sunspot because again, I was expecting hot like this, this, this. Uh, to quote, Sunspot was really grady. I didn't enjoy the trial. Eh, I'm hot and rich, and I didn't like him as a narrator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I agree. It's, it's it's too snarky based on he's that gay yeah. that I know that Andrew hates. Yeah, that's fair. Well, well, I was, well I, every other gay that would read this would be like, fuck, fuck yes, yes. bitch. Yeah. There was also a lot of excitement I remember y'all having about uh, Cannonball and Smasher. Oh, and Smasher. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know who these. I don't know who these people are. Well, no, you. Got, I think right. I agree. I with don't know you. who they are. I agree and with you. Guys you guys are like, oh, this is so great. We haven't seen them in so long. And I'm like, cool. They, I, it like, was Clark, me, and Ryan because yeah. they came from Hickman's Avengers run, which we, we did, ended up reading yeah. for Wikipedia. But yeah, no, I agreed with you. I agree with what you. Do that, I, what do I? What do I care who? What specific group of people it was? My point is, I don't know who the fuck these people are. And you guys are like, these are my old college buddies. What do you think about X Force or something? Well, so actually, yeah, great switch. So X-Force, you had Domino getting caught, Domino and Colossus getting close, no purple woman dead. Professor X dying in the first issue. Yes. So that's, he, I think, like us, got pissed off that the other issues were magically reappearing Professor X without an explanation of how he was resurrected. So he's been very frustrated about that. Um, Do you think Andrew liked comic Domino or Deadpool 2 Domino? Deadpool 2 Domino. Comic Domino. Uh, Deadpool 2 Domino. So the, the comic one is way too... Uh, sad sack, like, er, I mean, granted, she got all of her skin, like, peeled off, basically. Plus, Deadpool 2 Domino is played by, what? what's the actor's name? Uh, Z Beats. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who's just delightful. Uh, what did Andrew guess? Who plays the comic Domino? <laughs> <laughs> Domino's Pizza. What did uh, Andrew guess wrong about Zeno, but correctly about the overall X storylines? He thought Zeno was an already existing villain that we've seen before. He thought Zeno was Professor X. 
he thought he thought Zeno would plan some sort of terror attack and blame it on the mutants, and the world would turn against mutants. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Zeno is unimportant and does nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So was Zeno part? He was never part of Orcus. No, right? he was no. his own thing. He was remember he was the uh, engineer's son. Good for her. Something that occurred to me while Andrew was recounting this, and then how long it took to get back to the Zeno storyline is. If this was kind of the starting point and knowing that Hick, the Hickman original vision was supposed to have a much shorter run, it makes sense to me now that this the Gene Janeer was probably supposed to wrap up much earlier and Zeno was probably supposed to be gone. But because it was like, well, don't wrap up that storyline, just leave it open and yeah. do all this other stuff to chloroform for months <laughs> on end. <laughs> yeah. What is he thinking of Beast? Uh, it's, it, he didn't bring that. So that's another thing is I want to start bringing questions back to him so that that way I'll have answers the next time we talk about stuff. He's he, not, he didn't say anything about beast from that perspective. So beast isn't re- truly villainous until you get into like maybe 10 or so issues of X-Force. Like, say. cause it's first, it's like, he's just like very pragmatic and it makes sense. Like you need somebody if we're nation building and you need like, um, an intelligence unit that you'd want to have somebody that pragmatic. And then he goes like full on mustache, mustache twirling villain, you know, like somewhere around issue 10 or 12 or something like that. Right. So talking about fallen angels, which we don't have to. The only question I have is who did Andrew quote in regards to the series? Was it Aretha Franklin, Kristen Wiig or Tony the Tiger? It's not great. It, so uh, Kristen Wiig. I shit myself. I shit myself. <laughs> what did she say in Bridesmaids? Oh my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> uh, that was when he was sick. Yeah, no, it was uh, Aretha Franklin. He said, beautiful gowns, beautiful gowns. <laughs> if you, he hated it. Uh, it was awful, I, but it was I, really pretty. I don't remember anything that happened in Fallen Angels. It was really just Psy- Psylocke. Her daughter was dead. Yeah. And, and it was go- she went up against uh, a computerized cyber- thing called Apop. Yeah. Basically, it, it, the best thing about it, it led into Hellions. And that's exactly what it was. So Hellions became his favorite of the two, the Betsy and Quanon, not that they need to be compared, but has only read the arc with Goblin Queen, uh, but absolutely loved it. Um, Do you think Andrew... Wait, did he have any thoughts about uh, the whole Psylocke split? Uh, Like, he... He understood it because he played it. He was an X Men Legends, uh, so but he didn't have any like major issues or it was just like great they split the sp- up uh, and, and the split happened before yeah Hawksbox so oh okay the schism, yeah. uh, but yeah in terms of what's going on with Hellions, uh, do you think Andrew agreed with the decision to not resurrect Maddie? He disagreed because he likes Maddie. So he did, and I think it's very similar to the Sabretooth thing. He didn't know what Maddie did before, but he's like, that just seems really mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I felt terrible. It's messed That's right. up. That's why it's always important to have a Clark historian there at your side <laughs> to remember tell you what like, all the bad things. Why do, we, why do we put this guy in jail? And Clark's like, here's the 800 reasons, reasons I, why we can't forget <laughs> that's like if someone came into existence in 2003 and was like why do we hate trump so much right exactly yeah. um so talking who do you think the favorite character from hellions was nanny yes 100 percent. yeah <laughs> yeah egg lady is uh, loved right loved her egg threatening lady. sinister at the end yeah. thought it was great yeah. um just really quickly on the x-men fantastic four stuff uh, who do you think andrew sided with franklin uh reed richards <laughs> He was he was actually time to team Sue mostly because you know he thought Sue was making some really good points you know don't tell us what's best for our son family isn't about segregation it was a really interesting discussion because it was with a gay person like we're both gay people and I was like yeah like we love the sort of like let's do it the enclave like let's just party but I it was weird in talking and I was really trying to process 
so that it wasn't just like, oh, so you don't want a gay island? It was like re- religious, like cultish religions feel very much the same way around the idea of you should be mixing with people, you should be talking, you should be experiencing others, and just have, you know, fucking Joel Olstein be like, no, fuck you. Like, we're living in our weird, you know, thing. It was just a very interesting, but like, you could be used. Yeah, different, different suggestion for why he agreed with Sue. It's because gays love powerful white women. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's another thing where he doesn't know the history, though. It's like, these are people who, like the Avengers and stuff, they moderately ignore all the murders and death that X-Men have been going through for millions for decades. And then they're like, oh, now we're going to fight with you for a little bit. Like, we're going to have to deal with in a little bit with uh, we've been screwing around with orcas for so long. And, oh, wait, never mind. Maybe they're hurting us now, so we need to fight. The frustrating thing for X-Men Fantastic Four, because it, it reads really well uh, <laughs> when you read it all once, <laughs> is <laughs> is uh, Dan Slott retconning that Franklin Richards is no longer a mutant. Right. Which really fucking annoys me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that was overall, he said, the bigger problem that he's experienced so far is that he'd love to see more crossovers uh, yeah. with the other teams, because I think there needs to be more dialogue like that of calling out, you know, behaviors. You'll get a really mediocre one soon enough uh so yeah i mean that's kind of just wraps it up in terms of he's also team storm i don't know he just wanted to make sure that he's team storm you mean when she just kind of like screams and everyone's naked beside her i did i did say that's all they get for the first two years i said i was like what did you think of the marauders team and he said what team so (laughs) um so his favorite series hellions regular x-men marauders right now his least favorite fallen angels unsurprisingly favorite characters Glob, yeah. he loves Glob, Brad. Everyone loves Glob. Uh, Nanny, Kate Pride. Does Emma he Frost. love Glob, or does he know I love Glob? No, he looked. He, I didn't tell him that you like Glob. He was just like, right. I really like Glob. And I'm like, where the fuck was Glob in this? Yeah, he's kind of running around the Ed. Oh, that's issues. right. The yeah. new, okay. new man's. And then least favorite Sunspot, Rogue Gambit. And he's not quite in love with Domino. Just we yet. should do this again after he's read uh, Ten of Swords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll jump oh, on okay. that. Okay. Um. So news time. So extra, much. Oh, yeah, 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 extra. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have time for you guys to do that. Uh, some some personal reliable uh, rumor mongers. Moon Knight is going to head to Disney Plus's animated What If series. Like I just mentioned, um, at some point we are going to have a new version of Iron Fist in it. But this is actually the What If um, spinoff Marvel Zombies. And it's not going to be a Mark Spector. It's going to be someone else, a new quote-unquote Fist of Khonshu. What do you think? We talk about fisting a lot in this episode, by oh. the way. Um, a new Fist of Khonshu. You think it should be Danny Rand? In in Marvel, yeah. In Marvel Zombies, I have no idea. Yeah, um, I don't know. Other famous Moon Knights. There aren't. They, they've cr- they're crea- they've kind of created a new one in the last two oh, years. Oh, you know who it could be? Shuri. It could be somebody from Wakanda. I don't think we need that voice actress anywhere near anything. I'm uh, her horrible sure. politics. Yeah, yeah. We're just guessing. Though. I'm just guessing that I it get could it. So. We know that Okoye is currently a zombie, so be it's not going to be her. Uh, it'd be kind of fun if Unless they, they twist it. Uh, had Miss Marvel as uh, Moon, Knight, Moon Knight's uh, Templar. You know? Oh, I could see that. But she's Ms. Moon Knight. Like that she <laughs> like she is she doesn't go into that grim dark stuff. She still stays Cutesy, light. Cutesy fun. I remember, so. did, yeah, I don't did think I'm gonna die kill in those the people. first one. I don't even remember was she in the first one. No, she's the not Marvel in zombies one. She has not no. appeared. All right, in other what-if news, uh, for season three, they just announced Sam Wilson's Captain America is finally going to show up. Surpri- I was really Which is strange that yeah. he hasn't been in it yet, right? Well, I think the f- season one uh, and season two, they animated pretty close to each other, and uh, they only debuted Sam Wilson, Captain America, in, what, yeah, 2021? Sam Wilson existed still. I mean, he wasn't in any of these. I thought he was in the was Zombies he? one. He was definitely, like, as Falcon. 
He's been he out. Was, he was uh, dead, though. So he he might have just, well, there might have been no voicing. It because they had like, the whole ah, thing oh, where Bucky could, is, like, and, yeah, killing yeah. him, and they're like, I'm sorry you had to kill your friend. And he's yes. like, actually, I don't, I don't really care. I don't care. see why he could have been in the 1602 one when they go, and, you know, like, it's it's they probably Captain could. America's, not Captain America's, but Steve Rogers' little crew. What's but the actor who plays Like it was Instead, it was... Oh gosh, what is this? Yeah, game? well, keep going. Yeah. yeah, but they probably just couldn't get him to do yeah. voice acting, and they That's wanted to stupid. get him. Well, and Sebastian Sebastian Stan is such a good voice actor; they need him. He's also probably the cheapest one because they know he's terrible. Also, <laughs> the imagery for the uh, for showing the new Captain America, all the Gundam like mech stuff, looks yeah, so fucking cool. It's be fun. Well, yeah. Anthony Mackie, Anthony yes! Mackie, but, thank right. you. But obviously, they had so many other important stories to tell <laughs> that they couldn't get to Sam Wilson. Yeah. Also, are we not? A little bit surprised that like there's like when is the next season supposed to be coming out? Because these are pretty early release photos that they've got for it. I think they're just I think PR wise they're trying to really build back the brand. So I'm not surprised that they're like yeah yeah people seem to like that like keep putting out that shit just to keep people. It's hooked not this guy. year. It's no, certainly not. Yeah. At least I next year at the earliest. Yeah. They're probably fast tracking it though because it's probably easier to produce them live action. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right. So following last week's news of the return of Karen and Foggy, plus that I said rumored arrival of White Tiger, um, Bullseye is going to be back, played by Wilson Beth Bethel. Very from excited. Yes, I am excited. And Daredevil, Born Again, and he was in Netflix's Daredevil. What do you think? Pro. Very. That pro. guy's fucking hot. <laughs> Only reason. Yeah. Pro. Pro. I thought he was actually really good as like a complete psychopath. Uh, I think they did a very good job uh, in the three-season Daredevil of establishing this guy as being, like, just completely unhinged, mm -hmm. and they kind of kept him still somewhat mysterious. I hope Con. they... Con. Kalen, if you get it's to make 18 points, I get to make three. Uh, <laughs> the con is it, it weirdly muddies the waters even more about... It, what's canon, what's not. We talked about, like, including stuff with the timeline, and I feel like including every single actor... What? Now it's just like a mess. It what episode mess. is Vanessa's cameo? That's what I need to know. Vanessa. <laughs> Vanessa. <laughs> Say it right. I am very happy about this as well. Um, mostly in the pro camp. I don't care about the con. Sorry, Brent. Uh, I Vanessa. hope that they call him Bullseye and they give him a Bullseye-type costume that's a lot better than uh, What's-His-Face did in the Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck. Oh, oh Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. I... I hated. Oh, that was awful. Well, it was so bad, but the comics ended up adopting it at the time yeah. when Bendis was writing Daredevil. I was like, you know, you thought no. it was super cool when he took all that uh, broken stained glass and then put them in a huge pancake stack and was able to throw them at Ben Affleck, right? Like, you like <laughs> yeah. that. That's right. You like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's how I make my breakfast in the morning. <laughs> all right. So, in an MCU movie news, another reliable spoilster has revealed that Ryan Gosling is in talks to play the original Dick Ryder, a.k.a. Nova. And not Me? Sam, and not, and not the shitty teen Sam Alexander bullshit. Yeah, Sam Alexander is not a great character, but... Thanks, Jeff Loeb, for I, your... Shit introduction to our lives. Ryan Gosling is a very good actor, but I always imagine Richard Ryder to be a little bit younger. Uh, so like they could, they'd have to be a little bit of a different interpretation, more like grizzled version of the character. They they wouldn't do that because that younger generation currently is not in the Marvel universe. They've got too much of a younger generation that is. 2000s and late 2010s and so 20s characters instead of a 19 what I, uh, 93 character like 2832 like that's what Ryan I would think no, that's what I'm yeah. saying I didn't understand what you meant 2832 what does that mean like 28 to 32 that's, that's what a, I would that's, a, <laughs> that's what I would expect oh 28 to 32 <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe like, like 28 32 like, that was like that's a 12 year span what are you talking <laughs> 
I think like a post annihilation esque grizzled uh like Nova would be pretty cool. Like world weary, like a scene war. He's seen some dark. Well, isn't the but the Nova in um like X Men Red like he's like a good balance of like that is the X Men yeah yeah yeah. that is the Nova that'd be good I agree that Nova like when it uh when uh Star Lord has the whole disappear into an alternate reality and lives for whatever number of years and becomes a god how old did you imagine that that. Nova. That Nova, I'd say 28 to 32, just like Adam <laughs> said. I don't know. I imagined older. I thought I'm like 40 or something. Uh, uh, I could no. see like, it. To me, he seemed like a guy Okay, 32 who, to 36. Who had experienced war. Like, this to me feels like a general's role, which makes it feel weirder to have R- Ryan Gosling. But If you think about the sliding timescale for Marvel, it's like about like 10 to 15 years. 12 is probably the right amount. Then, like, Nova made his debut, like, eight or nine years ago. So he's probably in his late 20s at gotcha. this point. Well, this is age talk. The I think it's yeah. because <laughs> in the comics... How old do you think we are? Yeah. T- DM us. W- when it was... 28 to 32. You're 28 to 32. And it was Star-Lord. Star-Lord was kind of like the older... Star-Lord's the older one. Of him, and now yeah. they've kind of switched who they are. Yeah, a little bit. At least in comics as well. No, that's very one is much yeah, darker than the other, and one is and a stupid, light, idiot boy. And Gamora actually dated... Nova for a bit before Ew. dating Star Lord. Man, she switched it She's up. What, what's that guy's name from uh, Walking Dead? Jane Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Or oh yeah, uh, not to be Negan. confused with. Uh, yeah, the guy who plays Negan. Like to me, that's someone who I'd like to play. God no. <laughs> Period. <laughs> totally different from Nova. that character. No, that's, play that's, that's just plain wrong. I was gonna say yeah, no baby. That no va baby. Good good no no. <laughs> we're not doing yes we're and. Done. Uh-uh. We're doing no. No, no, it's wrong. It just doesn't. Well, that's a casting choice. We're yes anding that you said that, and we're saying no. <laughs> that that's is about not it. yes <laughs> anding. <laughs> yes play, and that's oh, awful. Oh, I you see know, how that could be interesting. He should play a nihilist. He should play a nihilist. He's the big bug Ooh, man. Ooh, I could see a nihilist. No, he's just some sort of screechy, awful voiced person. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Ryan Cole is sick today. <laughs> so, wait a minute. Do you think he's not actually sick and he's actually being cast as nihilist? No, I actually have proof that Ryan is sick. Um, what the hold, hell's yeah. going to come out? Hold on. This is yeah. him vomiting. You're scaring me. This message is for Brent. You're a piece of shit. I'm <laughs> sick. I'm going to steal all your packages at your home and cough on your doorknobs. Well, we know what's going after the This Week on Homo Superior. <laughs> yeah, how dare he gets that he even when he's not anyway. on? Fuck him. <laughs> we won't allow that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I see much of a surprise. It's too good. Anyways, in comic news, Miss Marvel's Mutant Mas- uh, Menace uh, miniseries that's coming out shortly by Imani Villani and Spear Perzada with Scott Godless- God- Godlewski yeah. as the artist. Um, we'll be going up against Britain's favorite character, Mojo. How do you think those two will interact and why? I have no fucking clue <laughs> how, why, because we've heard conversations from creators about like, hey, I wanted to use this character or I, I want to use this villain. And sometimes the editors are like, yeah, you can use that. Or other times like, no, you can't. It's like, did Iman Villani want to use Mojo? Did she know Mojo existed? Did she know? Mo- I feel like I she, bet she, she does. She was I like, like she's four, four when the characters. I feel like she last does. So I'm like, if there's anyone who I'm form. willing to give a shot to make me like this fucking character, <laughs> it's her. But also, I don't know what this weird mix is. It's like when P- 
people who are like the both appendixes in a friend group hang out and you're like what a weird bonus episode i don't know if i need this mm-hmm. uh i think that mojo is one of those like creator favorites because he's so absurd so crazy and it's just like the whole thing of like tv ratings yeah, it's kind of the meta-ness of it the, that, right, that writers exactly. and creators like they yeah. kind of like they're like oh i can do some fun shit with this and they it's basically indicating and we're gonna make it they? and they're gonna they're <laughs> indicating they're gonna make it a lot more whimsical than maybe even the first series Okay. Bring it on. I love it. I thought the first series was great, so I'd love to see more. Yep. All right, and finally, the thing we were started bringing up way earlier is that this week, images of the X-Men 92, 75, 90, 72, 81. <laughs> 28, to the, 28, 28, 28 to 32. You know what? Yes. 17 numbers. Anyways, 92, 75, 28 to the 34. <laughs> no, the entire ha- world is dead. No one ever have such a hard time right. with ages. I, I don't know what ages are. So <laughs> see, you guess what? All the costumes have been revealed, including sunspots and the updated mimic, which we actually already saw about six months ago in a different form. So there's nothing has been di- done with Anything. What do you got like this stuff? You mean crash test mimic? Crash yeah. Test. <laughs> oh, God. Do you like any of this stuff? Also, I just realized that they added four new males to the cast and no females. So that I of, didn't love. Instead I'm of it being four that. females, four males, it is now four females and nine males. It's a bit <laughs> odd. Um, oh, excuse me. I said four and then five because they're adding Nightcrawler later. So, yeah. I, I am pro Jean Grey hair down. And then we were also informed on our Instagram as well that... Jean Grey's thong is missing, which is awesome because there was a, a mm. conversation about why aren't the thongs gone or the underwear gone, and I was like, baby, if Cyclops is ever out of that underwear, yeah, but I'll is be Rogue's it. ass gonna be way too juicy? <laughs> is that gonna be happening for Apocalypse? Yes, That's the question, bitch. All right, so pro Mother Nito is just fucking serving. Con, um, I'm just sick of the '90s looks. I just am, you know. Do you think there's any chance that they, you know, they have to adopt these because this is supposed to be a continuation? Direct follow-up, yeah. But, like, that maybe mid-season they change up some stuff or I think they already maybe did. at the end of the season they change so stuff? So, that's what I think where the costumes, like Bishop's haircut, Storm's haircut, Gambit not having one, make it very clear that some of these should have gotten updates. But, I mean, you can't not have Blue Beast in a underwear with a yellow belt yeah but how many different i mean i guess you can't really change beast's look in the way that they did in the comics that like cat some, beast i yeah. would love cat beast that would be very fun <laughs> they'd have to explain that 15 episodes down the line though that's okay the original series never <laughs> yeah uh, again it's like these are the uh, mostly the jim lee design stuff and people love it because they have nostalgia yeah but there's something about like 60s and 70s or even like costumes from before that are a lot more timeless like spider-man's costume phenomenally designed you have to do very little to make it still relevant today very, very fair like superman and batman still very relevant but like the stuff from the 90s especially the shoulder it, pads my god the shoulder pads the, the belts the pockets the pouches all that stuff it's just so it's too much gene as a white person you can't wear a tan bodysuit it just <laughs> it's a little bit darker weird. but it's not I, well good. it's darker than it was in the 92 yeah. but it's I, not much i have an issue with jubilee's outfit because they have muted the colors so much that it's just kind of murky and and just doesn't look good against her skin at all like is that the it, make, it makes neon. her look like anemic no that's fair her boots are much bigger too because they're yeah. not were they yellow like i i want they need to be it's her powers are so splashy why can't she be splashy her yeah. character is splashy and interesting just make her be as exciting as sunspot looks looking. like a random npc i wish they would show him transformed <laughs> yeah he's absolutely not in a regular ass costume <laughs> <laughs> He's just dressed like a he, guy. And he doesn't look like Afro-Latino either. He yeah. just doesn't. Yeah, no, that's very fair. 
Uh-huh. Well, hey, he's voiced by um, someone who's not Afro-Latino, uh, so yeah. <laughs> do remember that Don't one. Don't tell Bo DiMeo that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, he, you the can't because he's not available in public forms. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I am a fan of like Storm's not-quite-Mohawk yeah. haircut. I think that looks pretty good. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. So I like yeah. it. I don't know. It feels like a, it's like, yes, I like her in a mohawk, but also this specific mohawk feels like four mohawks. It, they're all going in different directions. <laughs> I don't know if you uh, want to take a second look and then agree with me. I don't. You're all nodding your heads. No, okay, yeah, I you like see that it. mohawk. No, you it's see it. Yeah, it's Why is Brent gaslighting our everyone, audience? Everyone sees it, right? So uh, We're all Team Storm here, so yeah. slow your roll. Yeah. I'm Team Storm, but I'm also someone who recognizes Storm has flaws. <laughs> and if you guys can't see that, that's on you. <laughs> so. All right. Is the inside of her um, cape blue, or is that just coloring? That's just, I think, coloring. Color man. I think it's just a shadow. Anything else on the actual looks, or any more news, Clara? No, that's it. Nothing else. All right, so we recently did a Polaris on Twitter, uh, because, uh, as you probably heard a couple weeks ago, we finished up our review of X-Men, the animated series. And so we were trying to figure out, as a podcast, what are we going to review next? You know, there's a lot of other X-Men cartoons. There's the original one-shot X-Men Pride of the X-Men. Which you'll find elsewhere within this, but not in our regular s- sessions. That's sure. Spoiler alert. Yeah, l- let me get through it, Clark. Uh, and then <laughs> there's... He's, he's ramping, Clark. And <laughs> there's X-Men Evolution. It's which called was a podcast, Clark. We speak on it and yeah. entertain people. And I just it. did it. <laughs> and mysteries. Uh, there's X-Men Evolution, which was the early 2000s series that right. ran for four seasons. There's Wolverine and the X-Men. But we're not reviewing that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's actually never showing up. Yeah. There's Wolverine and the X-Men. Uh, and then we couldn't think of a fourth one, so I just did a bunch of shrug emojis. Oh. So we asked the anime, the anime. Oh, oh yeah. No, right. hopefully no one ever wants us to that's watch the anime. I'm not. I'm not even putting that up there. Uh, the X Men anime what, is not what's good. The anime. Uh, we'll <laughs> talk to exactly you what we just we'll said. We'll I've been doing an X Men podcast for six years, and I have no idea what you're talking about. And yet. you've been doing it for seven. So it's girl. <laughs> I'm not doing it for seven. <laughs> 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 All right, you heard it here first. Brent's leaving after a seventh year anniversary. Uh, so we put it up to you, uh, the folks on Twitter. Um, and so in last place was the shrug emoji because, you know, but it got 1%, which is so funny. I'm like, <laughs> Out of 99 it? votes, one person <laughs> did vote one, for that. One person voted there for it. There could be 100 people in the room. <laughs> But all you need is one of them to vote for the shrug. <laughs> it's, it's like in basically any episode of like Family Guy or something or anything that takes place in a, a family feud. And it's the person is like always gets the wrong answer. Oh, but yeah. it's because he was one of the people. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. So then in uh, third place was Pride of the X-Men, the one shot. In second place was Wolverine and the X-Men. And overwhelmingly in first place, it's X-Men Evolution. So starting in two weeks, when we have all five of us back, uh, we will be starting to review X-Men Evolution episode by episode. And Clark, as Clark said, we will do a special extra issue for X-Men Pride of the X-Men since it's a one-shot. Uh, and I don't know how well it's aged, but I loved it as a kid, and I'm a little scared to revisit it. I was I'll say, just tell you that. Good voting. I can remember. I good never voting. Good, good voting. voting. Good voting. I've never watched uh, X-Men Evolution originally, and then I watched during the pandemic with Andrew because he loved it. And I got to say, it's as a first time fan, it is not very, <laughs> it is a little bit tougher to chew, but it was also because I loved the animated series. So watching it, I was like, I don't have connection to this, which is why I there's a the real schism series. between those shows. Uh, there are people who love the animated series really didn't like evolution. The people who loved evolution really don't like the animated yeah. series. It just depends on when, 
when you came of age. So like Andrew right. being, you know, younger than yes, you. Yes, is uh, years younger than. <laughs> yeah, twenty-eight to thirty-two <laughs> yeah. years younger than you. Yeah. Uh, there's the population that likes boring <laughs> things that happen in a school, and there's the population that likes interesting <laughs> things that happen where people actually fight With interesting things. flying villains. on the back of a yeah. plane, uh, reading a diary. As yeah. someone who hasn't seen any of these other ones, I'm really hopeful that they've got Wolverine in them. <laughs> Wolverine and the X-Men is the best one. Wolverine and the X-Men is the closest to the comic series, and it's telling a very interesting long-form storyline. I've only seen a handful of Evolution episodes, but it's it does very have a much bigger storyline. I had story to watch line. every episode in a week. And once we run out of these, we'll do like all the porn versions of the X-Men, right? The triple X-Men. Oh, yeah. Triple yeah, X-Men, yeah. Sex-Men. Yeah. All right. I don't, I don't need to watch the straight versions. <laughs> You only need to watch the <laughs> uh-huh. I only I don't watch these gay versions. <laughs> okay. That's how I get off, you know? <laughs> Let's get on with the issues, which sounds like Clark has some. No, but uh, our weekly recap of all things X Comics. This week we have Resurrection of Magneto number one and X Force number 38. Resurrection of Magneto number one, Al Ewing, Luciano Vecchio. X Men does its best impression of and honestly surpasses DC's crazy meta dimension multiversal bullshit, seeing Storm riding that lightning with the help of the current defenders to retrieve Magneto's soul encountering a few familiar faces along the way. Um, let's just let this is a very content heavy issue. So I'd love to just e- open it up and just start talking about it instead of going through with it. I, okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I want to say part of this was you need to read the defender Al Ewing's the defenders yeah. and defenders beyond. And I just want to say, don't, that shit is fine, but it's crazy. It's good, but I'm annoyed by it. I feel like it was written 40 years ago, <laughs> and I hate it, and I, I mean, love that's it. That's what the Defenders is, though. It's just a mess. It, it's a good... It fits well with what the Defenders are. I feel is. crazy watching it, because I'm like, it is. there is no narrative <laughs> arc. <laughs> it is like a story that tumbles what? through. You mean, you, you mean the issue where it's all about Tigra and the green... Uh, tiger and god that's hanging out and fighting the phoenix just comes out of nowhere and they're like well i'm a tiger girl so i guess i've got a tiger god <laughs> guess what phoenix force <laughs> i okay so talking about Al, i'm gonna talk about al ewing yeah, for a yeah, second. yeah so al ewing of course uh wrote this he wrote x-men red uh he's also british uh he loves alan moore and he loves grant morrison oh it god. is clear that those two writers are a big influence on yeah. him and if you've read a lot of Alan Moore, if you've only read like Watchmen or Killing Joke or V for Vendetta, you're only getting a small sliver of his crazy magic, like ka- Kabbalah fucking oh, influence. Like swamp thing. Yeah, because he had B uh, for not, bullets, no, K no, for kisses, bitch, K not for even alphabets. Swamp Thing is like linear. Easy enough. You read Promethea. Uh, it's like reading a tarot deck. Actually, Ryan Krull needs to read it. <laughs> Promethea <laughs> was a series that was ultimately published by DC Comics like 20 years ago. I, it's gorgeous art. It's J.H. Williams the third who's drawn some really beautiful stuff, and you start reading it and you're like, "This is not a story. It's just an uh, explanation of magic." So Al Ewing, this is what he wants to do. This is the the high concept, crazy fucking shit that he loves, and it is hard to read. But I think sometimes when you go back to it, like, this is kind of fucking mental and it's kind of cool. So to Brent's point, I hate it and I love it. I do. I think what he has done, so both his original Defender series and then the Defenders Beyond, that this is kind of a direct follow-up to, I thought, I mean, it's both, because Taia, the mother of Galactus, was in both. Yeah. I think it's just absolutely incredible how accessible he makes the insanity, because when we read DC shit or you read stuff from, like, 30 years ago by some of the writers you mentioned, 
Kayla, it is just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Where for while this is very metaphysical to me, I was like for both defenders and this issue. I'm like, I get it. I'm like kind of following along. The reason why it's so good is because he makes the characters very relatable and very interesting. Go ahead, and there's Clark. so much little Easter eggs to it, though, that you wouldn't know if you're just starting out. Like there's in that classic X-Men where we see um, silver and white. Um, Jean Grey yeah. for literally one issue which is my favorite costume she's ever been in yeah. but that appears in that Tigra storyline because she gets in that little sub-universe thing that that was involved with and like the weird tubes and the creation of whatever blah yeah. blah 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 and that's where she has to fight the phoenix with the green tiger that we've seen with white tiger before of course, and with um, Black Panther before so for those who don't know the Defenders basically are a team of people assembled by Doctor Strange in this kind of chaos magic effort to in protect these two storylines in yes. these two storylines in these two storylines eldritch to protect <laughs> uh to protect the multiverse uh and they are kind of this collective power that is necessary in order to defeat increasingly abstract levels of the universe so a funny joke about the defenders a long time ago it's like when you see the avengers you're like oh thank god they're here to help when you see the defenders you're like Oh fuck! What's Run because it's it, the original team was Doctor Strange, Namor, the Hulk, and then Silver Surfer. And like, what are these four all mm, doing together? Yeah, when you see the Defenders, you're like, "Senap, senepa un peep." Yeah. Like, How many <laughs> holes do I have? As well? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and defend these. Yes. <laughs> I come to bargain. Um, so, but go ahead. I was going to say, why did we bring this up? I know we why we did, but let's tie it back. So into the what reason <laughs> why it's important for this story is because Storm. Uh, uh, utilizes Blue Marvel's uh, portal technology to access the waiting room, which is the uh, pocket dimension that S- the Scarlet Witch created in order to like act as a holding space for all the mutants who had been killed previously, uh, but the writers would never resurrect. <laughs> I love this reason. I-, I-, I loved all of it. I, I love that like, you know, Storm basically said, Everything's to shit. Like all the stuff on Arako is pretty much done to help mm-hmm. my friends back on Earth with all the stuff that Orcus is doing. We need Magneto back, and we can't resurrect him the old-fashioned way for a variety of reasons. So we have to go and do this. Yep. And so they, uh, you know, team up to open up this portal. They go to the well beyond the worlds, is what this uh, holding pen becomes. Um, we've got Tarn. So Tarn's back. Uh, and when I did not I d- expect to see him back. No, I mean it fits. Obviously, that Ewan wants to bring back some of his, you know, stuff that he's been yeah. pulling on from X Men Red. Um, what did you love about him becoming mutation as opposed to a mutant? Fine. Like, did it work for you as a sort of weird middle foil for the issue? Uh, well, I it, I had to remember what his whole motivation was because. I remember him being Mr. Sinister, but different. Mm-hmm. And when he was like, I'm just going to become mutation itself. I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy was crazy. Uh, and I did like the weird kind of crazy form he takes on of like this being that would consume things. The thing I really liked about it, I guess, in pairing with Defenders is that it looks like the formation of a deity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you get this character who's like, oh, super powerful. But this is like the origin of someone who is incomprehensible. Uh, they are just this formless, I, I exist to destroy. And it feels abstract, but with Tarn, it's pretty grounded f- for him as a character. Um, going back for a second to Blue Marvel, um, 
I just remember the line that I really love when Storm goes, now I know, he reminds me of Forge, now I know what Monica saw in him, yeah. and I know why she left Rapped. him. Fucking great. Just exactly who you needed to know about this character. Been there, done, done that. Um, you've got... Oh, I was going to say, um, th- my issue with Ewing happened again, is that like he cannot write fights, so he just has Storm one-punch him again. Yes. And it, that's three times in like three issues of Ewing stuff. It just keeps happening. And it's, I, I guess it's Storm's powerful blotted blue and we're showing it. But at the same time, this has been going on for de- like a decade. He can't write a fight scene and it's boring now. I don't think he yeah. likes fight scenes. He I think that's no, he can't write fight scenes and he has said as much that he's not good at writing fight scenes. Well, no, but, I, but I think, I think we're both saying the same thing in a, from a different way. I don't think it interests him enough to do it. That's why he's just like, like, let's it. just get but it over. But, but it is, it's almost like, look, I know like you're a great writer, but, or like any job, there are some skills that you might not like that you still need to be able to do. Yeah, I, and him just lightning bolt from the sky yeah. kind of does feel like it's hand waving away to get to the things that you care about. Seeing him become that fucked up monster, Tarn, I should say. Next page, I know he's gonna be, he's gonna be gone. Next Immediately page, destroyed. yeah, it, it it just undercuts every single fight you're gonna get. But mm-hmm. isn't this the complete left right axis? Because like we also complain when a comic is nothing but fight scenes. Like yeah, I, that's why you need a good give balance. me a good two three pages of a fight scene and then I'm good. I did bal- I did write down. It's funny because I had the I agree with you while having the problem. To me, it's less about the one punch and it's more about the monologues. I love Storm to Death. Mm. The amount of I was like it's just Storm being Storm right before she hits you usually with a knife but mostly in this time it's lightning punches but she literally had two monologues she not only said you know uh, congratulations in death you are as you are in life a self-created monster you think that would be the end of it and then later when they start talking again she's like who am i i'm the weather witch and you're standing on a cloud you know what adam great line fine this is the two axes that we live on uh you used to complain storm didn't get enough dialogue <laughs> now you're complaining storm too gets much. too much, too much dialogue. dialogue fine 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 you're right you're right you're right uh but i actually i do agree with clark because i think that if you're the thing i hate is when someone builds up stakes that are like either you need to have a clever de-escalation or there's no other way than just like one panel that ends it all right well, we also had a shock a coming in. Uh, we didn't read Gambit number two and three. Was this a, a retcon to Gambit's original encounter, Baby Storm, or was this like, no? Wait a minute. Now I'm getting reversed. This was the original Gambit miniseries. Essentially, it was a shock a here before fucking what Claremont wrote his like weird no, return no, no, to no. that shit. Oh, what do you mean the re- so uh, yeah re- res- the, the, the resurrection? Whatever that fuck the horrible era that he joined back up. No, with? no, the when, toss when back. Adam's like, he's question, talking about the miniseries. Yeah, Adam's question is, when did this goddess appear? Was she a creation that was super recent? Because no, Claremont did uh, those. This, this she was yeah. always in the plot. Okay, got this it. This is like yes. fifteen years ago. I wasn't sure if they had added her in as a result of his new retro uh, issues. She looks great. Yeah. She looks a lot like. I, was I mean, she's. I was like, I'm like, I gotta send this to KC. He has a new outfit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Then we get, you know, we get to see Magneto in the Sphere of Judgment. He's got five helmets. We've got enemies to friends. All, I actually really love that panel of like, is this your friend? And showing almost like every five to ten years of their relationship. Yeah. At least outside of you know the comics universe. A multi-panel works well for Storm. I mean, it always well, and then you get to see all of her costumes because she fights with the Phalanx Dominion, where we also see a little bit of Beyonders as well as some more lead in for Enigma, 
who is considered the ace of crowns in fifth business. Which we'll be talking about defenders again in a couple <laughs> weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think that this series, the final question, do you think this series is going to lead to discovering the white hot room, given that it's tied in with the defenders? I definitely think that is going to come in, and I think Gillen and Ewing also kind of like they work really well together. They like riff off each other. They are two of the three writers for Sins of Sinister, the third, of course, being Cy Spurrier. Cy, Cy Spurrier is also British. So it's like the three, it's like the three, like sort of like across the pond writers uh, versus like the American writers of like the, Can't the X-Books. we get goddamn American writers hey, writing our stories? We storm? are. Once the next one rolls around, they got, they're getting rid of all three British writers. <laughs> they're yeah. all leaving. So. Well, you know, it's like 1776 all over again, baby. Uh, I. Th- this was a maddening issue, but I loved it nonetheless because I am so disappointed with like what is happening with the current crop of books. Like the first issue of the Fall of House of X was very, very underwhelming. I think the first issue of Rise of Powers of Ten had some really great moments, but uh, still some I, it had some flaws for me. This is just so batshit, but in a batshit in a way I love. I love that like we brought the Phalanx Dominion back. Yeah, thank God, and, and I love that like they're kind of. They're kind of throwing shade at this other, like at the fucking Enigma Dominion too. They're mm-hmm. like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Yeah, like, like this Dominion's an asshole, no, basically. Pretty much. We are Dominion, not them. They yeah. are linear. This one's we a complete chaotic mess. Destroy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think there's a level of abstraction that you ultimately would get to if you're like, "Who's the most powerful in the universe?" And it becomes really kind of self-consuming in the way meta commentary does, like. If I have to explain it, it's no longer mysterious and dangerous. And I thought this, compared to like Defenders, did a much better job of balancing like, hey, I need to follow actual characters yes. with actual motivations that are grounded, not like something abstract like the nature of narrative stories or the belief in ideas mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck is happening in gods. It does become very <laughs> metatextual. <laughs> I, my issue also was I, I don't think they had death in there. But she did like fuck all, right? Yeah, yeah. There yeah. was death. There was three head lightning tower, yeah, floating you, you anal beads. Death as <laughs> this incredibly oh, important all, yeah. figure, and obviously Thanos loves her and shit. But like, she's one of Were like those the anal beads, Infinity Stones, or something. Most powerful <laughs> characters in the universe. He's just kind of sitting around. Also, randomly, he's wearing pink instead of purple. So, uh, yeah. the, the other visual note pink. that I think I'm really coming around on was the panel with. Magneto and the ten of crowns, or the or the five, sorry, the five of uh, helmets, or whatever it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. as the symbol of like death. And uh, I gotta say, I mean, it's been around for a while, but I didn't realize how important tarot cards are to the entire Krakoa storyline. Like, yeah. so fucking critical for so many things. It's all of like ten of like mm-hmm. ten of swords. I mean, ten of sword is a uh, tarot card unto itself. And it was so like uh, integral to like that storyline where they like when Saturnine is pulling like right. the champions. Yeah. But then there's also so many predictions that happen later where people are referred to by particular cards or yeah, you know their relationship uh, to the whatever this card symbolizes. That's a Hellfire Club is too with a he- queen and a queen. Well, that's kind of regular cards. One last thing I'll say, L- Luciano Vecchio, fucking groundbreaking that was work. That gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, he's a great artist. We've met him before. Uh, he's a very delightful person. Um, I was wondering if the, his art would be too cartoony for the story to be told. Yeah. And it, wor- it worked for me. It yeah. worked really well for me. That was very good. Any I, other thoughts? I love when anybody draws the technarchy at all. Ooh, if they yeah. do it right, 
It looks it's really fantastic. good. fantastic. Yeah, and yeah, I just cool. love ha- the way they have the Technarchy Talk. Technarchy Talk. Ever since um, Annihilation 2. Yes. It's been, it, but they've been used like that, especially. especially. And like that panel like uh, arrangement looked really fucking cool. All right, let's talk X-Force number 48, Benjamin Percy and Robert Gill, taking place before any of the big events right now, including Sabretooth War, Fall of the House of X, and Rise of the Powers of Ten. X-Force resurrects Beast after being assaulted by Beast? <laughs> um, since when was Beast a world-class sniper, and is he Omega dead? First, you have to remember, this is the Kevin McAllister <laughs> of comic books. <laughs> it has been forgotten by the family, and you're like, wait, no, you're supposed to come along on this journey with us. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, Beast is a good sniper. Beast works for the, the Krakoan equivalent of the CIA. He's great at sniping. Bang, bang, boom. He's uh, got a really good eyesight, too. Um, <laughs> I think... Oh, no, he's easy on the eyes is what <laughs> Caleb <laughs> meant. I love a furry. <laughs> um, this is the flip of what Beast did 10 years ago when right? Cyclops went, broke bad, in his opinion, and mm-hmm. he pulled the original five from, like, 1963 to come to the present. Uh, they basically did this. They flipped this. They, like, basically had a safe point Beast... From approximately 1985, like new defenders. Speaking of defenders, new defenders number like insanity. 134. I was gonna say when. What is yeah. this? This memory? is before X Factor. Even X Factor. Literally, Jesus Christ. Beast hasn't been. It's like original Beast was Beast storyline from. Oh before. my god! Like literally, he doesn't in nothing. Nothing even slightly. So re- if you have to piece, explain this, which I do love the character, I, by the way. If you had to explain this to Andrew, imagine you're playing a character Shut who has an entire story, up. and it's your first time playing. Like he doesn't <laughs> even know who Apocalypse is. Yeah, Apocalypse didn't even he exist. He hasn't met him yet. Yeah, did, like did not exist. Do in you canon. like that? Feels almost more annoying to me because now it's like too much of a clean slate. I'm. There's a lot of things that frustrate me about this book. There, I mean, there are elements that I think are, are good because I, I do like uh, some of the things that Benjamin Percy does. But the fact that this is taking place all before, <laughs> like, uh, Apoc- uh, or uh, Sabretooth War and uh, uh, Fall and Rise and all that yeah. shit, I'm like, how is this all going to fit in? And it feels inconsequential of what well, is ultimately going to be there. Tom Brevoort, who's going to be the new editor of X-Men's favorite version of Beast, is Avengers Beast. No. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we're going to be getting, most likely, if yes, what I, he wants. I did get a little semi-chub when he said stars and garters. That does mean... Oh, I thought when he's going to oh go find his boyfriend, Simon. <laughs> Simon, that's true. I do love like their like little like platonic slash romantic relationship. Yeah, and, and there's one version, Jason Aaron, I think, Jason Aaron, who uh, I don't remember, fucking run of um, Exiles was a six-issue thing um, where he they were a couple oh, in, Greg, in one Greg, of the universes. I think it was Pox run. No, it wasn't either. Uh, okay. I'm fine with the know. whole discussion of, hey, we've got a monster, and the only way to defeat it is with that exact same monster, but not as evil. And everyone's like, that's stupid. That's terrible. And it's like, well, do you have a better idea? I'm actually okay with that kind of level of like willful stupidity. What I'm not okay with is not resetting the password on your Krakoa biosystem. <laughs> what do you mean you didn't? Tr- un- it's you not didn't- like the other beast was dead. That beast could come in whenever they wanted. Yes. <laughs> Reset the password so that he can't use his biometric data to fucking operate uh, uh, the Tony Stark equivalent of a Krakoan supersuit. Oh my god! Fucking infuriating. Any uh, other? Yeah, it was pretty easy to just get over that, or not get over that, but 
put no effort into stopping them. Well, we all saw this coming from a mile away that at some point they were going to use some beast. I just don't think we expected the cl- like the clone or the new one would be that, that so far back. It does feel a little bit, and Kaylin, I think you'll probably remember this the best, about the episode of Breaking Bad, The Fly. Yeah. Where they're like, where Walter White is going through, like, at what point would have been the perfect point to die? And you're like, okay, this is very, very specific, and I don't, it feels like you chose that so arbitrarily. Or, like, you, like, had to work so hard to find a point where everyone didn't hate Beast, and also Beast was a reasonable person. It also feels a lot like Secret Empire, where you had the evil Captain America, which has shown up, of course, in Uncanny Avengers, uh, where um, they had to just find a save point to find a good enough Captain America before he got corrupted right. and became like you know the head of Hydra. Yeah, it's just like uh, it's well, okay. Well, guess what? Whatever you meant, you thought was going to happen. No, no, it's fine. Everything's fine. Continuity's okay. This is the character you know and love. Yeah. It's lazy, and the meta commentary of it is basically like you know, it's like what they said in Dark Knight with Heath Ledger and uh, Christian Bale. It's like you either die a hero or live long enough to become the villain. And so, like, is that what? Is that Constantly life? Is that like line. everything? It's about beast. Yeah. <laughs> that thing I was mentioning was Jeff Parker's run on X. Jeff Parker. Mm. Yes. I like him. Oh, that's good. Oh, pop. Ooh. that noise. Was Ryan here? That, that noise means. Oh, we recorded that on phone. Uh, <laughs> as always, we like to wrap up with a little something we call "Plug Me, Daddy," where each of us get a chance to quickly highlight <laughs> something <laughs> that we've seen heard read experienced enjoyed wrote uh that we wanted to share with you our little little homos what do you got what's in your plugs i can go uh traders see the u.s traders season two on peacock is excellent so they took kind of the first season i know you ended up not liking it i ended up watching it and enjoying it clark which one? The, just the first season uh-huh. of The Traders. Because you were upset that the Housewives got eliminated. The most interesting people were like kind of eliminated at the top because they were the well, they talked too much. I like the British version that has no well, famous people. That's fair. Well, this one's all famous people in season yeah. two, so don't watch this one. But the thing that I love about it is that it's very heavily weighted towards Housewives. And reality TV show game players are not used to people that are just huge cunts. And so they are like a unified force. And, I, you know... One of the one of the housewives is a traitor. It's Phaedra from fucking. We uh, find that in see episode yeah, you know, one. Yeah, so. don't worry, it's not a spoiler. But like when there's some sort of like potential double crosses and this and that, like you better believe that the way they speak to other castmates and these like people that have been on Survivor and Big Brother, they're not used to that intensity of like, oh wait, this is like real and yeah, fake drama. The, the, the person we're not gonna say because <laughs> she she becomes a traitor in yeah. episode two. Um, is like, oh, I think she's just being funny. And you're like, they're uh, like, she's not. She's going to kill you. Stunned. It's wild. But it's a very good season. It's lots of drama. Would watch it immediately. I've got one. Uh, so I picked up uh, uh, at our local comic store a graphic novel called Shubik Lubik uh, by Dina Muhammad. And it made a lot of best of 2023 lists. But it was originally published in 2017 in Arabic. Mm. Uh, it, the uh, Dina it lives in Cairo, and the book is set in Cairo. Uh, but it's like a fantastical version of it. So it's a little bit of magic realism. And uh, they kept, uh, you know, Arabic is written uh, right to left, uh, unlike English uh, script or, you know, script that we're more used to, which is left to right. So like manga, they kept it, they kept the graphic novel ah. right to left. So uh, I've started reading a little bit. The art is utterly gorgeous. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to finish it. It's really beautiful. Like, you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but it's a gorgeous <laughs> cover. <laughs> it really is. I've been doing it wrong this entire time. Clark, what do you got? 
Um, I'm going to actually deal with Africa, too, as you were just talking about Cairo. Mine is going to be, so in the 1990s, there was a group, um, James Stinson and Gerald Donald, uh, who had something called Drexia, which w they created this idea of what would a world be like uh, of if the um, African-American women who were basically pushed overboard during the slave trade or jumped overboard during the slave trade had children. And basically, oh. there's an epi it's basically what would their, like, a mermaid-ish yeah. culture be. So anyways, uh, my favorite museum in... Uh, the Smithsonian is the African Art Museum, not the African American History Museum, which I think the design is poorly laid out. Um, the African Art Museum is fantastic. They, this artist, um, Ayana Jackson, has created basically all these pictures. She's created like video format and, and all these different costuming of what this world would be. And That's it, so cool. It is fucking huh. beautiful. And everyone should go there. It is a fantastic. Just every single moment of it is, is gorgeous. So, so it's multimedia. Like I'm trying to understand, like envision it. Yeah. Yeah. Head. Yeah. There's photo photography, there's video, and then there is actual, um, paintings or ac no, there's actual, um, the costuming she created in oh. the pictures and stuff. There's music all around. Like, lot of water water elements as well it's i can't tell you not to go see it even like it's fantastic that sounds so fucking cool uh i have a double plug <coughs> uh you always do. two sided plug yeah it's a double sided double ended plug all right the first Asked is uh for uh <laughs> rustin the netflix uh documentary produced by the obamas about Bayard Rustin, mm. uh, who is the civil rights organizer who yeah. helped yes. put together the March right, on Washington. Right. Uh, I mean, really good. Really, really good uh, as a biopic. Uh, I will warn you, Chris Rock is in it, and he acts, and so... <laughs> you said documentary. It's it, oh, sorry, sorry, it's a movie. Okay, it's a movie. Okay. Uh, okay. Hey, I was it's like, a wait a minute. What's going Chris on? Rock playing Chris, <laughs> Chris Rock, Rock. Yes, in yes. Rustin. It's a, it's a biopic, not a documentary. Um, Coleman Domingo is... Absolutely fantastic, and Love. it's super charming. Maybe playing Kang soon. Fingers, Ooh, yeah. Fingers, yeah. fingers fucking crossed. Um, the thing that I like the most about it is a lot of recent biopics have featured queer people, and they've really minimized the amount of queerness, and this movie absolutely does not. Full it does penetration? Not, it no, does it not shy much come being sucked out of uh, bathtubs. They as should call him Saltburn. <laughs> yes. They should call him Come in Men Domingo. Oh my because god. It's, my god. It's gratuitous. I'm like Netflix. Whoa. Uh, and then there's like a whole documentary after the like Obamas. More like Netflix. And Michelle Obama's like, we had to show those gallons of cum. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So that's a really good one. This one is bad, but I still think you should watch it. Uh, Cowboys and Aliens. Oh my God! <laughs> the John Favreau movie throwback. with Harrison yeah. Ford yeah. And, and, and Daniel Craig. And Daniel Craig, and it's got Sam Rockwell and Clarence Brown. Look, it's a bad title for a movie, but honestly, it's not like it takes itself seriously and does a decent job. It's a, one of those movies where you look at it and you're like, if this was made like what ten, if good ten percent, <laughs> if it was like ten percent different. It could be like a really good, good interesting movie. Mm. Like if the cinematography was a little bit better because Sam Rockwell's acting up a storm in a completely different uh, movie. Yeah. Uh, but you're like, why is this shot like it's a romantic comedy? Okay. It uh, is It is one of those movies when it came out, everyone's like, how did this get made? Because yeah. this is a fucking disaster. But it's a disaster you can't explain. But it's honestly not a disaster. It's actually a pretty well-structured movie. It could be better for sure. 
For sure. <laughs> this is the puberty episode. I love that Brent is now a Cowboys versus Aliens apologist. Yeah. I'm not an apologist. Well, I just think it got... You won't apologize. Well, you I'm say, well, sorry, so Your, I'm your thoughts are like a 13 years old, so that's why you sound like a 13 year old. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why your thoughts are like a cum slut. <laughs> All right. That's the end of our episode. Uh, if you have a chance, rate and review us. We really appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's quick. It's easy if you like us. Uh, <laughs> if you have a chance, recommend it to a friend. Um, we've got an episode about Echo. We've got an episode about uh, What If Season 2. We're going to have a secret records about Fargo Season 5. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at X and Instagram at Podcast. Bye, little homos. We love you. Eldridge. Eldridge. <laughs> you said it. So proud of you.